0: Well, good morning, everybody. If we haven't met, my name is Justin. I'm the lead pastor here at Fieldstone. And we are in week three of a series that we're calling Seasons. And uh, we like to hit relationships. Relationships impact so many different parts of our lives, if not every single second of our lives. And what we typically do over the years is hit marriage, right? But what we talked about uh, the first week and even reminded you last week is... Really, marriage, it gets a pretty important seat at the table, but marriage is not the pinnacle of human existence. It's not the pinnacle of human relationships. Our pursuit of Jesus is. And so over the course of this series, we're trying to hit the different seasons of life, different seasons of relationships that we experience over the, the course of a lifetime. And so we talked about being single in week one. Some of you guys remember being single? Whew. Don't miss that, right? And, and, some, and we talked about the, the season of dating. Some of you remember dating. Don't miss that, right? And yet, so many of us are in that season, and, and I hope that you found a way to kind of contextualize each week because dating at 15 is not the same as dating at 55, and being single at 20 is not the same as being single at 75. And yet, because of just the seasons of life, we find ourselves in those situations, sometimes going through it, sometimes going through it again. And so today, we find ourselves with the season of marriage. And if you are married, uh, you, you're living it, but But think back to when you were single. Think back to when you were dating. Think back to when you thought maybe you found the one. And I think uh, it's important to think back and what did we picture marriage being like? What what did we imagine it being like? Ladies, maybe looking for a husband who's good-looking and strong, maybe a hard worker, respected in his family, respected in his community, Right? loves God, loves you, all those important things. Guys, we, we keep our standards kind of low. We're, we're looking for a good-looking girl who has to sleep in the same bed as you every night, right? It's like one of those amazing rules of life, like, she has to sleep there every night. This is crazy. And so, we're like, but for some of you, for some of you, maybe going to marriage, it was thinking, you know what? I, I think this time is going to be better than last time I've I've learned some things. I've matured. I've grown up a little bit. There's some things that I had to, to figure out in my younger years, and maybe things didn't work out. And so this marriage is going to be better. But we eventually discover, whatever uh, context you're entering into a marriage, I, I think eventually we discover that it's more work than we thought. The experience maybe isn't what you thought it might be, He isn't what you thought. He might be, she isn't what you thought she was going to be. And maybe you're carrying some baggage from past experiences, past relationships, maybe even past marriages into the, first, into the next one. And so you go into it thinking that marriage is going to be one thing, but maybe now you're wondering if something good is even possible, if you can even have a positive experience. And the scary reality is, and you guys all know these statistics, the, the reality is that somewhere around 50% of marriages don't make it. And a lot of the ones that do make it, they're just kind of miserable in the midst of it, and they just kind of soldier on in whatever way they can. And I think we start off thinking it's going to be great, but think about this kind of statistic from other contexts in life. If I told you that 50% of people who start investing in the market lose everything, would you do it? I doubt it. If I told you that 50% of people who went on vacation got in a horrific car accident, would you go? No, you wouldn't. If I told you that 50% of people who ate pizza got totally sick, would you eat pizza? Probably not. But what if it was something that you wanted to do? What if it was something that you felt compelled to do? Well, if you needed to jump into it, if you had to do it, you would find some other way to experience that, different from the way everyone else does it, different from the way that you've been told to do it, so that you can even in some small way find a way to improve your odds from that experience, from that decision, from that season of life. Well, why should marriage be any different? See, we grow up with a picture of what maybe successful relationships look like. We grow up watching our parents. We grow up watching maybe our grandparents. We grow up watching neighbors, maybe people at church that we knew. We, we see friends growing up and getting married. We see friends' parents who are married. We see people who seem kind of happy. We see, see people who seem kind of miserable and everywhere in between. But out of all of those experiences, out of all of those observations, the things that we grow up with, the things that we see around us, what we do is we start to form our picture of what a relationship should look like. It becomes our set of ideals, our Dreams, And so what happens is our picture of what the relationship would look like becomes totally centered on me. And we bring those ideals into the relationship, and our spouse brings their set of ideals and dreams into the relationship. But here's the thing. They sound nice as dreams and desires, but those things, those good things placed on someone else's shoulders feel less like dreams and more like expectations. It feels less like something good and more like pressure being added to them in the midst of everything else. What we bring are these strong beliefs that something will happen. Dreams become expectations and we start to feel like they owe me this. Right? This is what dinner time is supposed to look like. That's how it was when I was growing up. This is how I want to be treated on my birthday month. Right? I know some of you And it gets bigger and bigger every year. This, I remember when my mom used to scratch my back before bed and when she would give me a hug right before I went to sleep, I just knew everything was okay. How come you don't do that? I didn't think we'd be handling money this way. What do you mean you have to work late? Daddy never worked late. What do you mean leftovers? All of these things, right? It's been five days, 13 hours, 26 minutes, and 52 seconds since the last time that we did it. 53 seconds, 54 <laughs> seconds, 55 seconds, right? This is how I thought it would be. This is what I thought I would feel. This is what I thought I would experience. you got to get over the sex joke. I'm moving on, okay? <laughs> this is what I thought I would ex- experience, and it's not happening, and that's on them. They aren't providing what I thought I would be receiving. And so take that tension. Take those dreams take those expectations, take that pressure. And what I wanted to do today, do today is contrast that with what we see in Scripture as a little bit more of a positive example. Because what we see in John 13, 34 is the same thing we saw in a different spot last week. We see Jesus saying, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, he says, so you must love One another. As we know, this is a big time theme in the New Testament, big time theme in Jesus' teaching. Not sure what to say, not sure what to do, say and do what Jesus would do, right? What what love the way God loved you through Christ. We can all agree that that is a major priority of his teaching. But sometimes, even knowing that truth, knowing that that reality on a macro level, love God, love others, love the way Jesus loved me, the application of that truth becomes difficult on a micro level. So love him. Like Jesus loves me, love her like I love myself. But how am I supposed to do that when I have all of these unmet expectations, these unfulfilled needs, these unfulfilled dreams? How can I make them happy if I'm not happy with the way things are going? We've talked about Paul at different points in this series. We're going to hit him again today because he's, he's just great with the practical, right? So, so to take this big idea of love like Jesus, love the way you were loved, and, and, he, and he does a great job of providing some context for early Christians and applying it to real life. He, at different points in his letters, he talks about boss-employee relationships. He talks about government-citizen relationships, races and prejudices, social statuses, economics, and... He applies the truths of loving like Jesus to marriage. And we've we've hit where I want to land today. We've hit it before, but when I think about having one week in the midst of a series, this is the landing spot I would want to hit. This is the angle I would want to come from, because what we see so often are these two extremes. We have the extreme end of culture and what they say a marriage should be like and how you should interact with people. And then you have even the other extreme in church culture. Sometimes we'll take things that are true in Scripture and twist them to the extreme and make them another way, but neither one of those is very healthy at all. And so I want to kind of find that middle ground. Uh, And so we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5 for a few minutes this morning uh, because Paul takes all of these different things and starts to provide some practical examples of what loving like Jesus, what living like Jesus looks like within the context of a marriage. So Ephesians 5 verse 22, and if you, this is your... First time in church ever you've heard these verses at a wedding, once upon a time. Ephesians 5.22. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. So these are classic wedding verses. In my mind, you read, wives, submit. Boom. Sermon over. Let's go. That, That sounds like a great way to live life. However... Missing some context here. Okay, this book of Ephesians, Paul is providing some great examples of what Christian living looks like. These are new converts. The, the, the thing called Christianity, the way faith in Jesus is also new. And he so says, This is how you live it out. This is what maturity looks like. This is what unity in the body looks like. This is, this is living different because you are different. Like we talked about last week with dating. Right? You are a citizen of heaven, so live like one. So at the beginning of this chapter, Paul says something that sounds very familiar, Ephesians 5, 2. Just as Christ loved us, uh, I'm sorry, walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. That sounds like something Jesus said. This sounds like something John would say. This is a major theme. And then the following verses, he starts to give examples and some practical ideas, real life application of that command. Jesus loved, we love we've been loved, now go love, right? And so then he gets into marriage and husbands and wives. But the interesting thing about those verses that we read, Ephesians 5.22, the word submit really shouldn't even be there. The direct translation from the earliest Greek transcripts, the word submit isn't there. It simply says if you were to pick that verse out by itself, it would say wives to your husbands as to the Lord. And you'd say, well, what? to your husbands as Lord. That, that starting there doesn't make sense. The English translations add the word submit in there. So why the extra submit? The word submit is derived and, and applied from verse 21 that says submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another. Submit mutually. Mutual reverence. Mutual respect. Mutual submission. Do for one another what Christ has done for you. He put his needs Below your needs. He leveraged his power for your benefit. So now a spouse then is saying, if applying this to their marriage, now I'm here for you, I'm all in on this, not just because you're here for me, not because we're making a 50-50 exchange. I'm here for you, I'm all in because of Christ and the example that he's given to me. Submit to one another mutually. That is The thesis, that is the line. And then everything after that becomes an application of that truth. So Paul starts with the easy one. Submit to one another mutually. Mutual respect. Wives submitting to your husbands. Because that's not going to surprise anyone in that day. That's the context that they were living in. So husbands had all the rights, all the authority. They were large and in charge. In some cases, wives were viewed as property depending on which wife it was. So wives submitting to your husbands is not a shocker. That one would make total sense to them. Uh, That's going to sound right, but then he keeps going with the application of verse 21. So submit to one another mutually, wives to your husbands, as to the Lord, and then it's the husband's turn. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, the first part could be a stumbling point if we stop there. Husbands, love your wives because you think oh the wives have to submit and all the husbands have to do is love right that seems but here's the thing about love in the Bible there is no wishy-washy just feeling nice kind of a love it's a very proactive love it's a very sacrificial love it's a very servant-hearted love and so we continue with that verse and find out that you're loving the way Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her now it gets difficult we read Philippians uh, chapter 2 last week I want to hit that again because this is Jesus loving the church. This is what that looks like. Philippians 2, 5-8. to In your relationships with one another, in your friendship relationships as a single, in your dating relationships when you're in that season, in your marriage relationships, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, does not, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. He took the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross." And so last week, we talked about how in dating, you're not practicing to be married. You're practicing to be like Jesus in the midst of a relationship. You're practicing to be committed. You're practicing to be sacrificial. You're practicing to maintain your responsibility in your position within the household, in this case, a husband. And so as we continue on, it gets a little bit more difficult when we think about simply loving your wives. Love your wives as Christ loved the church to make her holy. Cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. This is what Jesus did for the church. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. And so now it's love, it's protecting, and it's caring. As if she were you as if the decisions that you're making, as if the priorities that you're setting are affecting your joy or your pain as much as it's affecting her. Submit to one another mutually. Wives to your husbands as to the Lord. Husbands to your wives like Jesus loved the church. Full submission, full sacrifice, full send. This is not about me, okay? Husbands, Close your ears for a second. This part's not for you. I have something I need to talk to your wives about for just a quick second. Okay, you don't have to listen. Wives, your marriage is not about you. Okay, wives, you can stop listening for a second. Husbands, we just had a moment there, had to remind them of something. That was totally separate. Now this one is for you. So wives, you don't have to listen. Earmuffs if you need to. Husbands, your marriage is not about you. We're all back together now. Everybody can listen. Here is the thing that we got to walk away with here. This is if I can if I can harp on one thing in marriage, if we're talking about the difference between the extreme ends of culture that says it's you and yours, get what you need and get out if you need to, and the other end of scripture that elevates one over the other and gives one this dominant uh authority, and, and, and ignores the other one. Like we don't want either extreme. If I could harp on one thing, it's this. Submission is mutual. Submission is mutual. Treat her life like it's your life. Treat his life like it's your life. Put her before your needs and expectations. Put him before your dreams and desires. Submission is mutual. It's mutual. Now this can be difficult, right? It can be difficult when you're starting out. You're trying to get a feel for your relationship. It can be difficult 50 years in when you have new needs and new desires and life is changing, you're in a new season of marriage, right? And so this is difficult all the way. So where do we start in pursuit of mutual submission within our marriages? So just some practical things and just like the first couple weeks, I'm not going to tie these specifically to Bible verses, but I think that these uh, these practical things could be easily uh, taken from Scripture without too much effort at all. So first thing, I would say start the submission process with trust. Start with trust. So you're asking questions, you're receiving answers with a genuine trust, trusting that it's the right thing to do to engage in this process and that they're going to answer honestly, and trusting that... Out of your pure motives, they're going to respond and engage in the conversation with good motives on their own. You have to trust. Uh, several years ago, summer of 2016, right before uh, we decided to, to explore planting a church, Kathy and I found ourselves in a situation where, um, not, not an unexpected situation, we had kind of anticipated it uh, over the years that at some point it would be time for me to go and lead a church uh, in the lead pastor position, senior pastor position, whatever you want to call it. Um, never thought about planting. It wasn't on our radar. Um, if someone had brought it up, we just would have thought it was a really stupid idea. So we'll just we'll go do the, the traditional thing. But God brought some people into our lives, some conversations into our lives, and started planting that seed. And so we're like, man, this could be interesting. We still have no idea what the heck we're doing, but maybe this is something we're supposed to explore. Let's take a couple steps in that direction. Let's have some more conversations. Let's spend some time in prayer over this. Um, and as we got towards the end of the summer into the fall... There was a training that we had been encouraged to go to that we had to register for uh, by the first of October, so we had September. Um, and I realized kind of in that moment and just in conversations with her that I was clearly becoming more excited about this than she was, right? I, I just kind of said, man, this could, be, this could be a cool opportunity, kind of an adventure, scary, but uh, maybe we should do this. But I didn't want to drag her along, you know, like we, I'm obviously the one that's in ministry professionally, but but it's certainly something that we're in together, and so what we did as we entered September, I just said, hey, Kath, like, um, this has to, I mean, this has got to be both of us, and so let's do this. We've, we've talked together, we've researched together, we've prayed together. Let's do this for the month of September. Let's just separate on this. Um, don't have to avoid the conversation, but let's just get away from the constant immersion in this topic and... I'll pray, and I'll research, and I'll talk, and you pray, and you research, and you talk, and let's do this. If you come back at the end of September, and you stamp a veto on this idea, it's done. Not going to do it. We'll, We'll go back to what we were thinking before. We'll figure something else out. We'll figure out what God has for us, but that's, you can veto this, and we'll be all done. Okay? Now, that was a little bit scary. Because when you do that kind of a thing, and this you know, may be one of the three positive moments as a husband that I've had over the, the 17 or 18 years, but in the midst of that, it's a loss of control. It's a loss of power over what I thought we should do. But in the relationship tug of war, dropping your end sounds scary, but until you do so, there is no trust. You have to let go. And we had had years together, lots of ministry years together. We transitioned together, ch- changed jobs together, changed homes together. But still, you go back to Ephesians 5 2, Jesus went first, and so Jesus' followers go first. Jesus submitted and sacrificed first, and so Jesus' followers submit and sacrifice first. You have to put each other first, but first there has to be trust. You have to choose to trust, and that can be scary. You don't know what you're going to receive in return and be messy on the front end, right? It might be a lack of trust in the midst of the relationship for whatever reason, but to engage in this process of mutual submission, you have to choose to begin that process with trust. From there, I would encourage a conversation, a series of conversations where you ask her, where you ask him, hey, what do you expect of me? What do you expect of us? What are what are your dreams and desires that you either brought into the relationship or have developed since the relationship has has begun that have maybe turned into expectations you have of me, that you have of our family, that you have of our relationship. Because here's the thing, we're all pretty aware of ours, right? Whether we realize it or not. We know what we want. Things that we've been reminding them of and holding them responsible for, maybe blaming them for. And so simply ask out loud, what are your desires? What are your hopes? maybe things that I'm receiving as expectations, things that I'm receiving as pressure to deliver. What are your desires? What are your expectations? And then when you've asked the question, shut up. Right? No caveats, no pushback, just listen. All right? And guys, if you ask this question, she's going to think you're up to something. Right? You're only asking this because the pastor said so. Yeah, that's okay okay to do stuff that your pastor says to do, right? Ladies, if you ask the question, he might respond with nothing, right? Because we're all 14-year-old boys at heart. It's just kind of the way it is. (laughs) We're going to say nothing, but he's lying or he hasn't really thought about it. So just give him time to think through his answer. Uh, But by asking the question, you're giving up the very thing you value the most. You. And that's why it's important. This is an all-in question. This is a selfless question and selfless relationships are stronger relationships especially if that selflessness if that submission is mutual so choose to have trust trust their responses trust their motives trust that they're going to engage in this process with you ask the question hey what what are you what are you asking me for What, what do you need right spoken or unspoken whether you realize it or not what what are you what do you need from me what do you need from us from this relationship And then I'd say this, take action based on what you're hearing and experiencing in the midst of this process. Take some notes if you have to, mental notes, written notes, open a Google Doc, whatever you need to do and take some notes on this because over the course of this conversation, you're going to realize, oh, okay, so he feels loved when I, okay, that makes sense. She feels secure in our relationship when we, yeah, got to take a mental note of that. Oh, that... They remember their parents doing this and saying this and fighting about this. And so when we, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, when his first marriage ended, he felt like, yeah, you know what? Her dad changed jobs all the time. So when I talk about change, when I talk about transition, okay, this makes sense now, right? And as you hear those things, as you take note of those things, that's when you can start to make some decisions and and change some behaviors and make some adjustments within yourself, within the relationship, within the family structure to start not supplying all of those needs, not being something that a human can't be, but recognizing what some of those dreams were, recognizing what some of those desires are, and maybe instead of carrying them like expectations, instead of feeling the pressure of them, you can work together to figure out how do, we, how do we navigate this? How do we redirect some of this? How do I help you feel a little bit more healthy in these particular areas? So start with trust. Have that conversation. Hey, what, what do you expect from me? What, what are your dreams for us? And then take some action based on what you're hearing and what you're experiencing. Now, this is a tough process, so just a couple resources I want to throw at you. And these are not perfect resources. These are not the end-all of marriage resources, but the goal is not for you to have a perfect book or a perfect podcast. The goal is for a conversation to begin and to have some healthy dialogue about your marriage and about your relationship and about mutual submission. So one book I would recommend, pretty famous one, The Five Love Languages. Okay? A little goofy, but you can have some fun with it. You're going to have some, oh, that makes sense now. You're going to have those types of moments. That was written by, I believe it's Gary Chapman. And as I said, not comprehensive, not perfect, but a great place to start to generate conversation about submission and, and loving each other. Second book I would recommend uh, is by a couple, last name Yurkovich. This is called How We Love. How We Love by the Yurkovich family. Um, so five love languages, How We Love, And then I would recommend a resource. If you're newer to Fieldstone, there's a resource called Right Now Media. If you don't know what that is, basically the Netflix of Christian Bible study resources, just thousands and thousands and thousands of video resources. We use it for a lot of our small group curriculum. We have a church-wide subscription that each family, each person can have their own subscription to it for free. And so if you don't have access to that, let us know. Uh, Put it on a connection card. Shoot us an email, info at fieldstonechurch.org. We'll send you a link and you can just real quick Uh, set up your own login and just have access. There's uh, family stuff, stuff for women and men and couples and singles and students and children, just all kinds of great stuff on there. Um, And just on the search bar, search marriage. And there's a lot of them to come up. Some of them are better than others, but like I said, we're not looking for the perfect thing. We're looking for the beginning of a conversation because that's what matters, beginning this process of mutual submission, having difficult conversations and sharing what's on your heart and what you're experiencing. It's a process. It's not going to be super smooth. It's not going to be perfect. But however your relationship began, however your relationship is going, you can experience something different than what 50% of of the country is experiencing. You can experience something different than maybe what you saw in your parents. You can experience something different than maybe you experienced in your past. It can be different. But you got to start the conversation. Start with hope and begin to create a culture and a season in your marriage of mutual submission. Let's pray. God, it's hard. Uh, we recognize that you've created this thing called marriage, and it's and it's beautiful, and it's wonderful, and when done your way, it can be just the most amazing experience, and yet at the same time, God, we are fallen, broken human beings, and we bring that brokenness into our relationships, and it affects our marriages and our families and our, our our family trees to a certain extent. And so God, in this moment, we just pray that as we engage in these conversations, that you would be in the midst of them. Guard our hearts, guard our minds, guard our motives. And God, I pray that there would be so much fruit coming out of those types of conversations and that submission would become a beautiful, mutual thing between the marriages in this church. And that God, when people look at the families that make up this church family, when they see our singles, when they see the people of this church who are dating, when they see the people of this church who are married, God, that they would see something different, different than the statistics would indicate, that they'd see something where you are intimately involved in each step of the process. Now right, we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys. Next week, we talk about starting over. We'll see you next Sunday.